we desire change, but we also desire rhythm. We want predictability, but we also want to shake it up a little bit. And I think the seasons offer both of those things. There's this desire that we get at the end of a season. Like you said, you're so sick of winter. And it's like, yeah, because your body is ready for a change. It's ready for spring. And so what people do now, do you know what they do? They go to Target and they buy a new sundress or they take down all their Christmas decor that they bought at Hobby Lobby and they put up all new Easter decor that they buy at Cost Plus World Market or wherever people buy decor these days. And if you like to decorate your home, no shame against you whatsoever. But that desire we're feeling, that's that desire for seasonal change. But we also get that spark of joy every time we get to pull our favorite seasonal decor back out again, because it's the rhythm. It's the recognizing the familiarity of, oh, there you are again. I've been waiting for you. You're here again. Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Join me for part two of my conversation with Jillian Hankins. In this episode, we discuss Jillian's passion to live according to nature's rhythms and seasons. Jillian believes that to live seasonally is more than what we eat, but reaches down into the very marrow of our days, how we move through the hours that we've been given with our families. She's always been endlessly fascinated with the richness of the seasons, and today we'll be talking about looking to the seasons as a guide for how to live more intentionally, simply, and slowly. So let's get into the second part of the episode. I want to make sure that we do touch on the seasonal guides. That is what initially had drawn me to you in living seasonally. We've been talking about slow living and just appreciating the things around us that I don't know, either go unnoticed or we're just too busy and jumping from thing to thing. Um, We've been talking about having more margin in our day to day. So with these seasonal living guides, what do you want people to take away from these? And why did you start creating these in the first place? So I started creating them based off of what we had been doing as a family, just trying to really fully appreciate each season. And I think it folds in so nicely with slow living and simple living. And I think you can't live slowly and simply without noticing the change of seasons. I've always been so fascinated with seasonal living. I mean, like I said, we moved from Florida that doesn't have any season. I mean, it basically has hot and hotter. That's really just the only, and we're from a beach town. And so it was like, you went to the beach. That's what you did year round, you know, and there were certain seasonal aspects to it, but not really. And so growing up, I would visit my family because I'm originally from the Midwest and we have a cabin in the upper peninsula of Michigan. And so we would spend summers there And then we would also go there in the winter. And it was so mind blowing to me as a child, how incredibly different it was from August to December, because those would be the two times that we would go. Like, it didn't even feel like the same place where I lived. It was the same all year round. And so that just kind of triggered that interest for me that, wow, there's so much more possibility in the world. And it was almost magical to me. And so I've always had this, I don't know, romanticizing of seasonal living and the seasons changing and the transition and that cycle through. 
And I think just the, the older I got, the more I realized how cyclical we are as human beings, we are created for cycles. I mean, you think about just the circadian rhythm of how our bodies change over 24 hours, which is more of a male dominated type cycle. And then there's the menstrual cycle for women, how much our bodies change over 28 days or however long your cycle is. And then you think about the bigger, the cycle of the seasons going through the year and how it's always returning back. And so we have this desire, I think, as human beings is so deep and so innate, and we are created this way, I believe, by our creator that we desire change, but we also desire rhythm. We want predictability, but we also want to shake it up a little bit. And I think the seasons offer both of those things. There's this desire that we get at the end of a season. Like you said, you're so sick of winter. And it's like, yeah, because your body is ready for a change. It's ready for spring. And so what people do now, do you know what they do? They go to Target and they buy a new sundress or they take down all their Christmas decor that they bought at Hobby Lobby and they put up all new Easter decor that they buy at Cost Plus World Market or wherever people buy decor these days. And if you like to decorate your home, no shame against you whatsoever. But that desire we're feeling, that's that desire for seasonal change. But we also get that spark of joy every time we get to pull our favorite seasonal decor back out again, because it's the rhythm. It's the recognizing the familiarity of, oh, there you are again. I've been waiting for you. You're here again. And I started looking more outward, like, okay, instead of going to target dollar spot and buying these cute little Easter egg things, how about I look outside and I think the violets are up. I remember when the violets came up last year, it's so cool. And you start to notice these patterns and these changes. And I think seeing it through a child's eyes was what really sparked it for me when my son would get really excited because we get to go strawberry. It's May. Are the strawberries ready? Can we go strawberry picking? And it was like, Oh, he's actually noticing these patterns, these seasonal patterns. And we started getting these traditions that I didn't even realize we were forming because we did it one time. And I'm sure you notice you do something one time (laughs) during Christmas time and your kids like the next year, are we going to make popcorn and have watch elf again? And you're like, just because we did that last year, doesn't mean we have to do it every year. Now you're going to do it every year. Cause you, you know, they liked that and they kind of married that experience with that time. And it's now a tradition. Over the court, my son's almost seven, over the course of seven years, we kind of just had this yearly rhythm that we had these things that were so rooted in each season. So one day my husband was like, why don't you just start writing them down? And I was like, okay. And it really started with book lists because I, like I said, I'm a book hoarder. I love books so much. And so I have these seasonal book lists that we get from our library. And then we organize our books season, like our children's books, we organize them seasonally. So we put away books from other seasons and we take out books. Like it's this exciting thing at the beginning of a season, we get all of our spring books out when spring comes and the kids are like, oh, I remember this book. And they get so excited. And so he's like, why don't you just like write down these book lists? Because I would have friends ask like, hey, what are your favorite spring books? And so I would just start sharing with friends. And then it kind of evolved into, you know, what are your favorite things to do in the spring activities to do? We go strawberry picking in the spring, you know, we carve pumpkins in the fall. And these are so, they seem so simple and they genuinely are so simple. Like my seasonal guides are very simple. They are not overwhelming. They're not flashy. They're not fancy, but they're things that are so meaningful and are just so beautiful because they're not complicated and because you can actually be there and be present with your children while you're doing them, because you're not thinking what's in that. Everybody knows how to carve a pumpkin. You can't really mess that up, you know? And so I started writing those down. Well, we do these little crafts every year and I'm not, I think you're more crafty than I am. I'm not very crafty. I really like doing nature crafts and things that are 
beautiful enough to display. And so we started just making these really beautiful things that were either more about the process, like nature crafts or things that had this really beautiful end product that I was cool with displaying on our wall. And the kids felt so excited because they're like, we helped decorate for spring. And it was beautiful enough to display it on the wall, which we don't do often for things. And so it felt like this big deal. And then you know, once we started getting more into homeschooling, we would go on nature walks every week. And so we were noticing how nature was changing. And so then I started writing down little things that we were noticing in nature. And then of course I had to add food. So there was little recipes that we would make every month and every season. And it really started to develop into this thing. And I was like, I wonder if other people would be interested in this. And at a certain point, I decided I didn't really care if other people would be interested in it because I Uh felt like they should be interested in it. And so it was kind of this labor of love. Like it was a passion project, really. It was just a heart song of our family of this is how we live. And it was almost this rubric for slow living for us because we are... I would say we tend more towards being anxious and worrying about the future and getting through the to-do list. Living seasonally, it kind of instilled in us, there is a right thing for a right time. And it's okay if we don't do all the things today, because there's probably going to be a more appropriate time. You know, I'm not trying to carve pumpkins in the spring because we'll do that in the fall. It's kind of rooting these really beautiful, simple things in a time and in a place. It gives you something to look forward to. And things are special because you only do them in the spring or because you only, you can get strawberries year round that are from South America or wherever they grow them in the fall, but a strawberry in October just doesn't feel right. People don't really know why, because most people don't know that strawberries are late spring, early summer crop. And so I just think it's so innate in us and we don't even realize why we crave things that we do crave. But when you really look back to seasonal living, which was really just a way of life just a hundred years ago, people didn't have to think about living seasonally because you had to live seasonally because you didn't have another option. And just once industrialization, the change of work, how work happened nine to five. And before everybody was pretty much agriculturally, you know, it was agricultural mind where you're super busy in the spring and the summer in the fall. And then the winter, you literally, you milked your cows. But other than that, you kind of were preparing for the spring and it was, there wasn't a whole lot to do. And so you rested in the winter and I think we've missed kind of with the change of how we live our lives. We kind of left that in the past and it feels very antiquated, but our bodies are still living that way. I think that's why so many people, and I say this with so much love, but when people at the beginning of January have all of these new year's resolutions and goals and changes they want to make, I'm like, winter is not the time to be making all these changes. You're supposed to be hibernating right now. Basically you're supposed to be resting Yeah. in the spring when everything's waking up, that's the time to make all these changes and all of these new goals. And cause you actually have the energy to accomplish them. In your guides, you have to do in March, to make in March, to notice. And then these are just really easy things, like you said, too, that just kind of bring our attention to, hey, these are things that we can notice and we can sense the blossoms and the buds, the animals waking, the weather. If I can go take my kids outside, which is what one of the number one things that we like to do as a family is just to be outside. I love that noticing of what has changed and what's going on. And I told my kids when fall was happening, I'm like, okay, look at our backyard. We're going to see it again in in January. And I said, we're going to look again in 
April and see what's changed. And I don't know, it does really tie you to, I'm a Christian. So I think it ties me to God and it ties me to creation, what we're supposed to appreciate. And it does like going back to slowness, it is so slow and simple, but it, the joy, it actually is joyous to look out at the world. Maybe I'm talking kind of woo woo. I don't know. No, I, I mean, no, I am <laughs> right there with you in the woo woo. I am also a Christian. And so I do think God didn't have to create seasons. And so me as a questioner, I'm like, okay, why did he create seasons? Obviously there's something here because he doesn't make mistakes. And so just sitting and noticing and thinking about that and appreciating that and, and getting the feelings from each season, I think that it does bring so much joy. And so many people are like, yeah, I mean, obviously it changes. Your backyard is going to look different in October than it does in January. So what? That's obvious. Yes. But if you're so busy with everything, you will miss that, you know, you will miss that. And I think that's really what it's about is just slowing down enough to notice the obvious things and these simple things that are literally just waiting there for us to notice. Um, I, I just think there's so much beauty to be had there. And I think now more than ever, we do need those simple things because we're being thrown the complicated things. And some people have this idea, if I'm not paying for it, if it's not super complicated, then it's not worth it. But I think actually right now we need the exact opposite of that. We need the things that are waiting there for us that are free Mm -hmm. and that are literally as simple as they get. It doesn't get more simple than walking out barefoot in your backyard and noticing, wow, the grass is cool. And the, you know, the air is warm and, you know, you can feel the breeze and, oh my goodness, there's new buds on that tree that weren't there yesterday. And all of these things that are literally as present as you can get. And people talk about, you know, being in the present moment and they want to read these books and and listen to these meditation apps. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But what if we just meditated on what's actually happening in that moment? If we just stopped and we were still, and we were like, oh, the Robins are back. That's so cool. If you're reading your meditation book or listening to your meditation app or whatever it is, you will miss that. And I don't know. I just think we were created to be in nature and to live by the cycle of the seasons. And I think we're, we're craving that so much and we don't even realize it. Like I said, our first thing is to go buy new throw pillows when it's fall or whatever it is we're craving, we're craving that seasonal living. We're just fulfilling that craving I don't want to say in the wrong way. I think if that's the only way you're doing it, that it is wrong. I'm not saying there's anything wrong about buying seasonal throw pillows, but I think if that's the only way you're trying to fulfill that deep desire, that deep craving, you will be left wanting, always wanting, 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 wanting more. And which is why you keep wanting, 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 because you're not actually fulfilling this deep soul need that you have. That's a lot of heavy talk about, you know, this simple guide that I have that really is simple and really created for families. And I think you also have someone who has three young children. You want it to be simple. You want it to be something that you can look through together and not be like, Oh, just picturing the mess or picturing all the things you're going to have to buy. And then you're going to have to find somewhere to put it. And it's really not about that at all. It's about 
I say this in the guide, the memory is more about the feeling than, you know, what you produce from it. So if you're doing something just for the sake of doing it, but you're going to be stressed out the whole time, don't do that thing, you know? And I, I say, use it as a menu and not as a checklist because Mm -hmm. you're going to read through some things and be like, I am so excited to do that. Or your kids might look at the pic. Everything has a picture. And so it's really easy to use with your kids. Mm -hmm. They can look through and be like, oh, that looks fun. That craft looks fun. Mm -hmm. But if you're trying to get everything done, and you're looking through it and there's something in there you really don't care about. You really are not interested in, but you're doing it just for the sake of doing it. It's not going to give you that result that you want. And so I tell people do what's interesting to you. And there might be things that even if it gets people thinking about, you know, when I was little, I used to love doing this in the spring. Yeah. And then you get to share that with your family and it's a moment of connection. And yeah. I think it's something so many of us are craving right now is that slow time that the simple things and the connection really just, Oh, I looked up and I looked at my child in the eye and told them about this thing that I did when I was a little girl in the spring. And it stuck with me and kids mm-hmm. eat that stuff up. They love it when we look at them and, you know, they don't want like the new flashy thing. Really. They think they do. They want more than anything is just us to look at them and tell them a story even more than they want us to read them a story, read them a book. They want to hear stories from your mouth, that eye contact, that slowing down, looking them in the eye, you matter. You are more important than me getting this laundry folded right now. And Mm -hmm. I think that is so hard to do, but it's so necessary. So I think that was a long way of answering that question. The heart of why this guide came about. People think I'm really good at living slowly. I'm not, I'm terrible at it, which is why I'm so passionate about it because I have to think about it a lot. I have to talk about it a lot. I have to write about it to remind myself every single day to slow down and don't miss what's right in front of me. Yeah. Time is passing and I don't want to have regret either. And so it's like, I need to figure out some ways to incorporate more slow into our lives. And even if I think that I have that, obviously the people in my life are not seeing that. And I do want to be an example of the things that I say. I want to live out what I say, I believe, or else I'm a giant hypocrite. And I also just want to be aligned with what I'm reading and believing and whatnot. Yeah. I would encourage people to check out your guide, but also just simple things. Like for me last summer on the summer solstice, uh, my friend and I just had drinks on our patio and we watched the sun go down. And I think it was at nine 38 PM when the sun, I was like, okay, I think it's finally down. And so then that was a, a measure for me to say, okay, that was June 21st. And I'm going to watch it for the rest of summer and into the fall. And then when that winter solstice or the shortest day, I saw it go down at four something closer to five. But it was just so curious that I was in tune with the way that the sun was setting for six months and it was something so simple, but it just, it was, it was just lovely. So you're it's, it roots you in that Mm -hmm. moment. I mean, and I don't know another better way to say that, but I think what we all are craving is that rootedness, that feeling of sturdy security. I mean, I think we're always feeling this floaty anxiety feeling, but just something so simple as noticing when the sun sets. I mean, and that even just that awareness of, Oh, the sun is going down. I want to make sure I see it so I can see what time, you know, you're noticing you're slowing down to notice that thing rather than just looking up and be like, Oh, it's dark outside. I don't even know when the sun, you know, and you're just kind of like floating through your life, but just that slowing down and just noticing those little moments. And and for, for you that worked for another person, they might not care. It might be noticing when the trees in their yard bloom, 
these little things that you can notice and they just become these touch points so that you're not just zipping through your life. And then you look up, I mean, I'm like obsessed with deathbed confessions of people. Oh yeah. So interesting to me. I want to soak up this wisdom. You've lived your life for 90 years and now you're about to die. What do you feel like was important? What do you wish you would have done more of? What do you wish? And again, that's going to be so individual, but just that feeling of, I don't want to be 90 and look up and think, wow, I really wish I would have noticed this more or man that went by fast. I think that's the worst thing to feel like, man, that flew by. And I know that everybody feels like their life flies by, but I want to enjoy it in the process. Um, I don't want to look up and be like, oh man, that went by really fast. What did I even do? And so I try to zoom forward to my 90 year old self whenever I'm really stressed out, or if I'm feeling frustrated about something or anxious about something, I think what would 90 year old Jillian think about this? Is it really that big of a deal that my son just spilled an entire bottle of maple syrup all over the rug? Like it's frustrating. Sure. That was $30. I don't, you know, it, and I don't want to clean a jar of maple syrup up off my white rug right now. But when I'm 90 years old, am I going to be like, yeah, I'm really glad I yelled at my kid about that. And really what it is, is perspective. It just lends perspective to what really matters and the things that long-term shape your life. Um, I just Googled when you were talking the top five regrets of the dying. And there's a book by a woman named mm-hmm. Bronnie Ware. The second one was, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. So I think that's just something that I keep coming back to that. What are we living for? Are we yeah. living to work? Are we working to live? It's something yeah. that are, it probably gets in the way of us living more intentionally and slower and simply. So the other view of people are curious. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. I wish that I had let myself be happier. I wish that I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. So yeah. It's just something to think about. Yep. I actually, I read that book last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause I remember saying to my husband, somebody needs to write a book about what people say on their deathbed. And this seems so morbid, but really there's something so beautiful, so much clarity in that. Yeah. He was like, I'm sure someone has written that book. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. And so I Googled it and I found that book and I was like, well, I should write my library had it. So I got it and I read it. I do have a little bit of golden age syndrome where I feel like uh, everything was so much better back then. But then I also really know that I fully appreciate modern advances, but you know, there's so much wisdom in our elders. I just love just soaking up what older people, you know, have learned. And I think there's a lot there that we're not taking advantage of. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, Jillian, I feel like we are kindred spirits. Everything that you were saying, I just was nodding my head. Even when you were talking about reading too quickly, my husband's also someone that is more detail oriented and slows down processes at all. It just, you said so many things that I could really relate to. So it was great talking with you, but if people want to connect with you or grab one of these guides, where can they do that? So they can find me at my website, which is jillianmargaretwellness.com. And that's, I have my guides on there. I also have a sourdough course and sourdough cookbook, which goes back with that whole food and slow because sourdough is very slow. And then also I'm active on Instagram and that's where I like to kind of show up and create content and connect with people and yeah, just share little, simple, beautiful, ordinary moments. I am not an influencer. I'm not flashy. I'm not going to tell you to go buy things. I'm just like, Hey, I made a cup of tea this morning and I'm excited about it. Kind stuff. Okay. Well, so Jillian, I don't know if you've listened before, but with every guest that I have on, I ask two questions and I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't prompt you for this. So you're going to have to catch me off guard. But the first one is what has been a beneficial resource to you that you'd like to share with the listeners? I love to read. And so just books in general, 
people kind of forget that they can read books to learn about things because social media exists. Mm -hmm. And there's so many experts on social media. And there's so many times that I'll read something on social media and think, I want to know more. And I think most times we just want to consume little bite-sized snippets, but finding a book on something and actually reading a whole book, you're going to get more of the nuance of the the thing. And you're actually going to have more of a holistic vision of that. And so books just in general, I could just sit around and read books all day. But when I really think about it, I think common sense, just plain old common sense. I think we forget that that is our best resource is to actually sit and think, does that make sense to me? Because most of the time we know if it makes sense or not. So that's my probably my biggest resource personally. (laughs) No, I love that answer. All right. My last question is what is something that you can't stop talking about? And I'm not letting you say simple or slow. You can't have it aligned with that. No, that's my answer (laughs) or food, because that's also very obvious, but I actually read this book last month. It's called stolen focus. I don't know if you've heard about it by Jonathan Hari. I think so. I I read it on my Kindle while breastfeeding my daughter. And so when you don't see the cover every time you kind of forget, I think that's right. Johan Hari. Okay. That sounds right. And it was one of those books that you read and you feel very convicted, but in a good way. And it's about attention and focus and how our ability to focus has gone down over the last 100 years and how our attention span is now less than a goldfish, I think is one of the statistics that was quoted. And I was like, Ooh, that doesn't feel good to think about at all, because I know that it's me. I'm the problem. A lot of it was focused in the beginning on technology and social media and all of that, which as someone who uses social media for business, it's not so easy to just say, well, I'm just not going to use it anymore because I do think there's so much good there. And so I I remember while I read it, I literally talked to every single friend about it. Um, So that was one thing for two months. That's all literally I wanted to talk about. And, And I think that's where my tea meditation came from was how long do you feel comfortable being still for? How long do you feel comfortable not reaching for your phone? And it's what the human beings touch their phone, like 2,700 times a day. It's gross when you, and it's right here. Like I had it right next to me, you know, um, all the time. So I dumbed my phone down and I turned off all of my notifications, like even texts and phone calls and all of that. Cause how many times of the day are you going about your day? And you just click your phone just to see what time it is, even though you don't need to know what time it is. And you see, you have a text message or a missed phone call and that sucks you in. That was kind of what I was obsessed with talking about for a while. And I feel like I'm just kind of riding the coattails of that right now and kind of reaping the benefits of it, of I'm not going to say my attention span has been improved yet, but I definitely feel able to regulate better during the day with my children because I'm not feeling like I'm missing anything or that I'm behind on anything. Cause you know, you check your phone and you're like, even if it's just a friend texting you, you feel like you should text back right away as opposed to just turning off notifications. So I actually have to click the text icon to see if I have any texts when I'm in a place where I can sit down and actually text my friend back. I'm telling you, you should do it with all text messages, just okay. turn off notifications. And then when you're sitting there and you're thinking, I actually have time to respond to text messages right now. I wonder, cause yeah. when do you ever get a text message that's like needs to be urgently replied to within 12 hours. I'm sure most of us, it's just a friend or a parent or someone who's just like, Hey, what's up? Hey, do you want to hang out next Tuesday? It yeah. doesn't have to be responded to you right then, but it instantly goes in my brain of this thing I need to respond to right now. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. It felt really revolutionary when I did it for some silly reason. 
So that was one thing I was kind of obsessed with. And people were probably like, Jillian, will you please stop talking to me about this? No, it was a great book. I read it last summer, but I'm going to be honest with you. I forget a lot of it. I know. Well, yeah, probably because you were like, I'm going to read this in two days. That's how yeah. I, I know. I read it on our way to Michigan to the Upper Peninsula. So I may actually get the audiobook and re-listen to that while I'm walking at night. I feel like that's a good one to just process a little bit more. Yep. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jillian, this was so good. This is so, so good. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing with us today and encouraging and inspiring us today. This was awesome. It was so fun. Thank you for having me. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.